This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by the Nature Publishing Group. It's the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. As genetic testing has become more and more ubiquitous, the amount of information coming into labs about variants and what those variants might mean has been growing exponentially. Heidi Rehm is the laboratory director at the Partners Laboratory for Molecular Medicine and associate professor of pathology at Brigham Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. A few years ago, there was so much information coming in, says Dr. Rehm, that a lot of us were suffering, quite frankly, from this deluge of variation that each of our laboratories was attempting to interpret. And we were realizing that we were all, in essence, duplicating work across our laboratories in working up these variants and going to the literature and pulling out data to try to classify the variants. And so I think the first impetus to really develop a a database like ClinVar was to crowdsource the work and allow us each to benefit from each other's efforts um, that would reduce the overall workload. And that would allow us to reduce our costs and offer more cost-effective testing to patients. ClinVar was created in 2012 to be a public database for information about genetic variants and their significance. You know, after a long time with, I think, a, a number of kind of false starts, ClinVar has really emerged as a central forum for the exchange of information about clinical molecular genetics and the evaluation and interpretation of that information. Scott Topper is the head of clinical affairs at Invitae. Dr. Topper and Dr. Reem are co-authors of two papers in the journal Genetics and Medicine that both interrogate ClinVar to determine just how useful it is and how useful it could be, how much agreement or concordance is there about the interpretation of genetic data in ClinVar, and how much discordance. Are there ways to resolve disagreements where they're found? Dr. Reem and her colleagues looked at the data provided by four laboratories into ClinVar. They found that there was 88% concordance in the data. They set about trying to resolve the final 12%. So the way that we resolved them is that when we found differences, each laboratory then went and pursued a reassessment of the evidence. Um, And that included any of the laboratories that had already classified the variant actually sharing any internal or aggregated evidence that they obtained. Um, And what we found was that a third of the time for the variants that we were able to resolve the difference in interpretation, the reason we were able to resolve it was because we had shared internal evidence that the other laboratory didn't have access to. In contrast, for about half of the variants, the interpretation was resolved simply by each of the laboratories reinterpreting the variant with current standard practice guidelines, which are the ACMG AMP guidelines. Um, And that could have been just a slightly different methodology was used in the past, or it could have been that the variant was assessed quite some time ago, and with a reassessment, new knowledge was being incorporated, and that helped resolve it. So about 50% of the time that simply reassessing with current standards and all of the publicly accessible data allowed it to be resolved. Doing so, they were able to resolve 87% of the discordant data. For variants where labs still disagree on the interpretation, it's generally because the data just aren't clear yet. For instance, perhaps the variant is common in the population and only infrequently seems to cause disease, so there's a disagreement on the pathogenicity of the variant. Overall, says Dr. Reem. The implication is that laboratories that are willing to share their data 
allow this process of differences to be identified that then allows those to be resolved by the community, by both the laboratories that themselves work to resolve interlaboratory differences, as we did in our paper, as well as allowing expert groups that are now being formed through ClinGen and other activities to come in and specifically decide to tackle as a third party the resolution of those differences. And so I think this paper really demonstrates the great value in public and transparent sharing of data that allows inaccurate variant interpretations to be resolved over time. Scott Topper and his colleagues used a different complementary approach to resolve discordance in ClinVar. So in general, what we found is the level of concordance or agreements between entities is very, very high. So if you just take a completely naive approach to the analysis of this data, uh, more than 90%, 95% of variants where multiple submitters have provided information, there is a consensus. There are some important differences. There's differences between clinical areas. So for example, in hereditary cancer, there's extremely high agreement between entities about the significance of variants. There's less agreement in variants in genes that are related to cardiac conditions. There's less agreement in variants in, in genes related to pediatric conditions. But overall, the level of consensus is quite high. What we also found is, and this is not surprising to anyone who's using ClinVar, um, is that there are different types of submitters to ClinVar. Clinical labs provide data with the highest concordance. On the other hand, less reliable data comes from literature submissions as well as from older submissions, placing more weight on recent submissions to ClinVar as well as to those from labs as opposed to literature-only sources reveals that the current state of practice is extremely consistent and reliable. In another paper, Dr. Topper and colleagues examined the performance of another community-driven effort to establish consistency across labs, the ACMG-AMP guidelines for the classification of sequence variants. We implemented them in our laboratory and we began using them. And what we, we would just be on the lookout for cases where a strict application of the ACMG guidelines either led us to a conclusion that none of us with experience believed to be the correct conclusion, or it led us to a case where we found ourselves in, a, in some sort of internal disagreement about either what the right answer should be or how the guidelines should be used. And then what we did is we really just tried to understand why. Why are we disagreeing? What is it about the ACMG framework that is leading us to this disagreement? And then importantly, can the framework be modified to provide either additional decision points or additional refinements to make sure that this same situation would be handled consistently if and when it comes up again. And adding some refinements to the system, they were able to resolve such ambiguities. They called the augmented set of classification criteria Sherlock. So basically add refinements so that each and every situation that one might confront in the process of exploring different clinically observed variants is captured by a thought process that's represented in the system. So basically add detail, add detail, add detail. Overall, says Dr. Topper, both papers reflect methods to use these two tools to consistently come up with the best, most updated information. We are on the cusp of really being able to establish a common framework for demonstrating the clinical validity of a variant classification process. So it is 
relatively straightforward to do an experiment to demonstrate that a laboratory can accurately and analytically identify the variants that are present. It's much more challenging to say, okay, we have looked at how we do our interpretation and have run an experiment to demonstrate that we are doing a good job. Um, but the tools are almost in place for, for that sort of testing to be possible as well. And that's going to be a huge step forward for clinical validity and accuracy of genetic testing. And to make those tools the most useful they can be will require open data sharing. In the same issue of Genetics and Medicine, Dr. Reem published a commentary called A New Era in the Interpretation of Human Genomic Variation. In the commentary, she documents the ways in which ClinVar is a useful tool, despite the belief held by some in the field that such a database is untrustworthy. In fact, she says, the opposite is true. And to make the tool even more useful, she points to ClinGen's plan to flag and remove old and outlier interpretations, as well as provide more nuanced information about the submission itself. Overall, Dr. Reem says that data sharing is crucial for the advancement of medical genetics and for the best care of patients, and she has a number of suggestions as to how to promote this. Yes, yeah, so I, I did delineate a few different stakeholders and what I thought their roles should be in helping move our field to a higher quality state. I did call out regulatory agencies, um, particularly the College of American Pathologists, which takes the largest role in accrediting uh, clinical laboratories that are particularly those that are doing genetic testing. And I suggested that they really consider making submission to ClinVar a requirement of quality assurance around genetic testing. I also called out payers. Um, and there's already been positive movement in this field um, in terms of payers recognizing that if they require public sharing of variant interpretations, that this is likely to have a positive impact on quality, and the payers really don't want to pay for tests that aren't high quality and aren't helping the patients that they sponsor in their plans. And so I did call out payers suggesting that they really consider policies around data sharing as one contingency for deciding reimbursement, um, and there are already at least one payer who has moved in that direction and is requiring public submission to ClinVar. I also called out healthcare providers. They can act on where they order tests from, and, and many already are doing this today. There are healthcare providers that have already made the decision that they will only order from laboratories that are sharing their data, but I think more can take those steps to increase the pressure to laboratories to choose to share their data publicly. Uh, and then I called out journals. So much of the data that is generated in research, journals are the only way that that data gets disseminated. And so if we ask journals to make submission to ClinVar a requirement, that will assist in this data being more easily accessed. And then finally, the actual clinical laboratories and researchers themselves who generate this data, you know, calling them out to really say, you need to contribute to this effort as a community service and share your data and by the way, this help ensures the quality of that data when you're doing it. Some laboratories might be unwilling to share data for business reasons. But Dr. Reem says that even if all labs return basically the same results, they can distinguish themselves by the additional services they provide. And in fact, she's already seeing that occur in the field. She says that while some of her recommendations may be more difficult to achieve, the field is already moving in this direction. While this is you know, in my commentary, this is a call to action. I can tell you that there already is action. 
Um, and so worst case scenario, we are where we are today, which is actually quite a positive state. The majority of the major laboratories are already sharing their data. There are payers already making reimbursement decisions based on laboratory data sharing. There are already providers that only order from, from labs that share their data, and there are already journals that require submission to ClinVar uh, as a contingency for publication. So I think we're already halfway there, and my guess is that even if my commentary has no effect on the field, I think we will continually incrementally move in that direction. Um, I do hope this commentary and, and calling these things out in a more specific way does jump us a notch up quicker. But I think the direction is already in place. And so I'm confident that we will continue to move in this direction. And in fact, says Dr. Reem, other fields where there is a high discordance, such as reading breast mammograms or breast biopsies, could learn from medical genetics. Having ways that there can be more transparency in other areas of medicine for how certain results are interpreted and what the standards are across the field, I think would improve many different areas of medicine. And it will create some ingenuity and innovation to think about ways to allow more cost-effective access to additional opinions and how to better standardize the approaches that are being used in different disciplines of medicine. But I think starting this dialogue and really engaging it in the field of variant interpretation is a great platform to start to think about how we might do this uh, more broadly across different areas of medicine. Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by the Nature Publishing Group. I'm Cynthia Graber.